we're going to track to our thought for today then is going to be keeping track, all right? And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13, so that's the love chapter. It's how it's usually characterized. You hear it a lot of times at weddings. And with this being um, Valentine's week, it kind of seemed to fit. Uh, we're going to focus in primarily on one verse, but we're going to use this today as we make our way in this thinking of freed in Christ, no longer condemned, what does that look like, and then how do I live that out? Uh, but before we get into that, all right, let's talk here just for a few minutes. So anybody like to keep track? I mean, it, it's all over the place. Everywhere you look in this country, around this world, people are keeping track. And a lot of it's for our good, like doctors keep track of appointments. They keep track of your medical history, right, which we're thankful of. You have small children, they help you keep track of your shots and when those things are due. Um, they keep track of what tests they've run, what tests they haven't run. Do you remember all the tests you've had run in your life? No, all right, I don't either. Uh, it's not been a whole lot for me, but there's still some things that are kind of blurry in my memory, but I could go look in my medical records and it would all be listed there because they keep track, right? They take care of things. And so we're thankful for that, uh, at least in that area of keeping track. What about um, utility companies? They keep track, right? They keep track of how much of your, their utility that you and I use. And so if we use a lot of water, they send us a bill that has a lot of numbers on it, just saying this is what you owe us, right? They're keeping track. And when we pay it, they keep track of that. And when we don't pay it, they keep track of that too, right? Now, there may be some times where we wish people wouldn't keep track, where bills could just disappear. Wouldn't that be great? If you didn't pay your bills this month, they didn't roll over. You just didn't have to pay them. Totally up to you. Pay what you want to pay, all right? What bills would you pay? Ah, pay them all, right? We want to be faithful stewards. We want to honor our God. The temptation would be, I won't pay anything, all right? Give me everything for nothing. All right, so utility companies have a way of keeping track of payments. Sports teams keep track of all sorts of stuff. And so whatever your sport is, there's track for it, right? If it's baseball, you could track uh, winning seasons or you could track personal statistics, you know, errors or hitting percentage or home runs or stolen bases or how, how many innings you've pitched or no hitters, whatever. All that kind of stuff can be tracked, statistically speaking, back many, many years. Maybe it's a band. And so you can track their chart-topping hits, right, or how many records or albums they've got that have been world renowned. They've been known around the world. And so all sorts of stuff there we can track that is, uh, is somewhat helpful. My wife and I have been looking here recently at just some uh, homes, and you wouldn't believe like what they keep track of. Maybe you know all this already, but you can, I can find out all kinds of stuff about your house that you probably didn't know I could find out. Maybe you did know that, but like I could tell you when your house was built, even if you didn't know when it was built. And by the way, I'm not stalking you, so I don't know this about your houses. I'm just saying we could find this out. When it was built, who the builders were, the contractors, who was the first owner and their names, what mortgage company they used, how long they owned the house, what things they had fixed on the house, when they were fixed, what storms came through the area and created damage. I could find out what the hard water count is in where you live, like the, how hard your water is. It's just crazy. Like, who wants to know that? I guess people want to know that, but maybe I'm just, uh, I don't care about things maybe the way that I should. But I could find out what schools are in your area, what municipalities, what hospitals, what you paid for taxes the last couple years. I could look it up and tell you. If 
you want to know, right? It's, it's all out there. And so there's, there's all sorts of information that they're keeping track of. And a lot of that's important, and we're thankful for it. And we're no different. And we keep track of stuff in our homes. And as churches, we keep track of stuff. Churches may track baptisms or salvations or guests or finances or giving the opportunity to reach out in their communities, missionaries they've partnered with, all sorts of projects they've been a part of. We track all kinds of stuff as, uh, as well. And even individually, we track stuff. So anybody have a warranty box at home? Or a drawer? Where you keep warranties, you know, on stuff that you're hoping never breaks or when it does break, you know where to go find it, right? So we've got one of those at our house when things go out so we can go back and take care of things. How many of you track gas mileage in your cars? No, a few of you do. All right, so for a lot of us now, that's done automatically, right? Growing up as a kid, my dad had this little black book, not that kind of black book, but a little black book in his glove box, and he'd pull out, and he'd write down oil changes, and he would write down every time he filled up with gas because he wanted to track his gas mileage, and so he still does that. So I, I didn't uh, get that gene. I don't track that, but my dad still does. Yeah, he tracks his gas mileage that way. I just take a guess. Whatever the sticker said when it was first built, I think I'm still close, all right? And I'm just going to leave it at that, hoping that I'm uh, running true. Um, you track money in your account, right? We probably keep track of that kind of stuff. We want to keep close tabs there of what we're being billed or what's coming out and what's coming in, make sure that it's not being hacked. Have you ever been hacked before? Yeah? No? Well, I've been hacked a few times. Went to... Um, I'd spent, you know, about $2,000 at Walmart, I guess, one day. I didn't know about until I looked in my account. Uh, Newegg.com, like some technology that somebody had bought, 500 bucks worth of technology that didn't come to my house. Somebody else thought they needed, and they just borrowed some money from me permanently. And so if I didn't keep, keep track of that, I would have never known, right? It would have been out of my account, and we'd never have any, any record of it. So... There's a lot of good things that we do as far as keeping track. And we could list all sorts of things here this morning. But there's also some things that we do that probably aren't as beneficial. Where we keep track in ways that it doesn't help us in our relationship with God, our relationship with other people. And that's what we're going to get at today. All right? So this isn't a lesson on how to budget your money at home or how to take care of the gas mileage in your car. This is about how we should love people as free people. If we really are not condemned, then what does that mean for us? If God really is love, what does that mean in understanding Him and how do we interact with one another in this world is what we're going to be after. So 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to read the first eight verses here if you'd like to follow along today, all right? Now, you'll find some people here who are, they're in early on believers and they're trying to figure some stuff out and they've got issues in their life, all right? It's just like us. So we've got some early on believers, we've got issues, we've still got sin, we've got grudges, things we're not doing well, some things we're tolerating. And uh, so let, let me just highlight a few of these for you if you, can't, if you can't remember this. So they were tolerating some pretty gross sin in their church, acting like it was okay. They were cheating one another and suing one another. They thought that was appropriate. They were argumentative with one another and kind of divisive is what Paul wrote about. He said, this is what I've heard. They were more concerned about their personal freedom than they were their brother. So, I'm free in Christ to do this, and if it offends you, tough. Get over it. That's kind of the approach that they took 
towards their brother, towards their sister. And so Paul was trying to address uh, that, that issue there. They were sinning against their conscience. They were dishonoring the Lord's Supper. They were trying to be the top dog in their church by having what they thought were the greatest spiritual gifts. And so if you could speak in tongues and you were more important than somebody who had the gift of giving. And so everybody wanted that kind of gift so they could be looked at as important. Like God had blessed them with the greatest gift ever and which should make them kind of be super spiritual. And so Paul's trying to address the idea of gifts, like why they were given. It's not about you, it's about God. and What purpose they serve. So lots of stuff going on in this church that he's trying to bring some clarity to. And one of those things here is going to be in the area of, of keeping track. All right, keeping track. So greatest good is what we're after. Uh, let's see if we can find it here in 1 Corinthians 13. And so he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now I thought this morning about trying to go rent some cymbals from our local music shop here and just bang these the whole service. Would you have sat here for 30 minutes if I just did that for 30 minutes? No, you probably would have had a few choice words, polite words, but like, you got to stop. We get the point, right? Well, Paul says here, if we don't love people, that's what we're like. We're just, we're just noise to them. We're an annoyance to them. Like, go away from me. If I can do great things, but I don't love people, then I'm just like a clanging cymbal. I may try that one of these days. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am what? I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain what? Nothing. So I am nothing, I gain nothing, I accomplish nothing. I'm just annoying like a loud symbol. So here's what I need to be. I need to have love. So love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And so love never fails. But where there are prophecies... They will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. All right? So he goes on to talk then about, uh, at the end of this chapter, that the greatest of all these things, we're talking about faith, we're talking about hope, we're talking about love, but the greatest of all this is love. Love will remain. Those other things, they have their place, they have their time, uh, but that's all going to cease at some point. So we're going to work this through in the area of like keeping track of wrongs. Okay, keeping a record of wrongs. Have you ever done that? Somebody's wronged you and you could tell us about it today. Could you do that? Somebody hurt your feelings, was mean to your spouse, mistreated you as a child or mistreated your children, an employer who just discarded you like you were unimportant, a teacher who thought you'd never measure up. All right, so sometimes we keep record, track, stat of how we've been, how we've been mistreated. So we're going to look into that today. So the Bible says that God is love, right? And if God is love and, and God keeps no record of wrongs, because here we're talking about love is, love keeps no record of wrongs, therefore if God's love, he must not keep record of wrongs. What does that look like? What does that mean to keep no record of wrongs? And how do we function with that as kind of our, our lead in, understanding how God has loved us and how we are to love one another? 
All right, so three things we'll highlight today, and I can actually say if you'd like to follow along in your bulletin and write these down, you can. All right, you don't have to, but that's why we print that out. Part of the reason is so you can have something there. God prod your heart, write it down. Could be something totally different than what we talked about today, but write it down. All right, if you're anything like me, we tend to forget. All right, here we go. Number one, to keep no records means we're going to, we're going to deal with our sin rather than dismiss sin. We're going to deal with it rather than dismiss it. So there are people who, when they read this verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 13, what they say it means is that you just act like sin doesn't exist. So if somebody sins against you, you just kind of smile at them and dismiss it. Somebody's rude to your children, you just overlook it and just keep going on like you didn't see that happen, right? To them, that's what it means to keep no record of wrongs. It means I can't think that I've ever been wronged or that anybody ever does anything wrong. Does that sound good? All right, so that's not what we're after here. It's not just like trying to dismiss or delete something. You know, I love the delete key. It's one of my favorite keys on the keyboard. It's one of my favorite little buttons on my phone, right? You ever use your delete key? I use it all the time. When I'm typing out stuff, typing out thoughts or messages here, I'm typing out something and I'll get a paragraph and go, that's not what I want to say. It's not coming out right. That's not the context of that verse. And so I'll just hit this little button and it erases everything. It's like it never existed. Isn't that great? You've got it on your phone. I've got one on my phone here. So I get emails, and you probably get emails too. I've got a Pottery Barn email. Anybody need a coupon? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delete this, if you can see this. Oh, it just changed on me. Oh, look right here. Charter's telling me that I've got a payment due. <laughs> They're keeping track. See? So Walmart's got $8 jeans. I don't need $8 jeans. I'll take $8 jeans. I just don't need any. So I'm going to hit delete here. I'm going to hit trash. And it just magically disappears. It's as though it never existed. Isn't that great? I mean, you can just hit a delete button and it's gone. Sometimes you can take a picture of something on your phone. It's blurry or it's not something that you really wanted to take up space on your phone. So you hit the button, delete it, and it's just gone. It's like it never, ever existed. So being able to delete pictures is wonderful. Or being able to delete text on my computer is wonderful. Being able to delete emails is wonderful, right? Just ask our former Democratic presidential nominee, right? Deleting is amazing. However, is this how God treats our sin? Is there a delete computer in heaven where God's just doing like this all day for everybody? Oh, let's just act like that didn't happen. Delete. Oh, and I, man, he should not have said that. Let's just dismiss that one. Highlight that and delete it. Nobody saw it. It, we're not going to count it against them, delete it, right? Does God delete sin or does he deal with sin? He's a dealer, all right? He deals with sin rather than dismissing it as it is uh, unimportant. So let's go here to Colossians. We'll find this uh, as kind of some, some background to what we're talking about, keeping no records of wrongs. God's approach to sin. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, it was God that made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. So to cancel something, it means that something has to be there to cancel, right? Correct? Yeah, so what we see here is that Christ is actually keeping track. He is keeping track of wrongs. 
If he wasn't, there'd be nothing to cancel. It'd just be a daily delete button. So he's canceling the charge of our legal indebtedness, what he's kept track of, our sin, which stood against us and condemned us, and he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by, by the cross. So if God is love, is God love? Yes. And if God keeps no record of wrongs, but here we see that there are some records. How does this all jive? Like, what does this all mean? Right, what we're looking at here, keeping no record of wrongs, is the spirit behind that. It's not a spirit of revenge. It's not a spirit of where I can't love you because of something you've done to me. Right? That's keeping track in a way that hinders the way that I've been freed and it hinders the way that I'm supposed to show love. I'm supposed to show it the way I've experienced it. And so for me to do that means I can't have a spirit that says, I'm not going to forgive you. Or I'll go this far, but no further. You know, there are a few different words the Bible uses for love. Right? Phileo, eros, and here we've got agape. Remember what agape love means? Right? Eros is kind of this romantic love between a husband and wife. Phileo love is the city of Philadelphia gets its name from that. City of... So that's love between friends or brothers. Agape love is the love of Christ towards people. It's that unconditional love. Right? There's nothing that you've done to earn this from me. And there's nothing you could ever do to stop me from showing this to you. Spit in my face, I'll love you. Talk bad about my wife, I will love you. Be mean to my children, I will love you. You can't stop what I'm doing. That's agape love. Okay? And so when we talk here about love keeps no record of wrongs, it means you may have hurt me, but I'm not going to hold on to that and just show you phileo love. I'm going to let that drop and I'm going to show you agape love. Right? Because it's not about what I get. It's about what I give. And so God is love and He's demonstrated this love, what we've just read here, by acknowledging that we've sinned. He's kept a record. Look in the Old Testament. How many times does He address the Israelites because they did something wrong? Right? Because you built this calf... This is what's coming. Because you disobeyed this command, this is what's coming. Because you didn't annihilate all the people, this is what's coming. Because you've married outside that I told you not to marry outside, this is what's coming. Like he's keeping track. But he's not withholding his love. So those are two very different things. This doesn't mean you can't acknowledge that somebody's hurt you. Absolutely. It's that I'm, I'm not going to withhold love, unconditional love towards you, because of what you've done towards me. It's the spirit of it. It's not necessarily the book where I'm keeping tabs. So God dealt with our sin by giving his son Jesus. And he's demonstrated that he's not somebody who's going to hold, hold a grudge. Right? So this is the way we've got to be willing to treat one another as well. So if you've got people in your life that have been hard for you to love, you find yourself in situations way back when or maybe just this week or recently, where it's hard to love somebody. Okay? What Paul's writing here to me and to you is, love is, and love doesn't, keep record of wrongs. It doesn't mean dismiss it and act like it didn't happen, belittle it like it wasn't that big of a deal. No, a lot of times it's a big deal. I mean, if it took God sending His Son, don't you think it's a big deal? Right? So He's not dismissing or deleting it. He's going to deal with it 
acknowledge it, but he's also going to continue to extend that agape love. So don't hold on to a grudge in such a way where you cannot show this kind of love to somebody else. It'll do much greater harm to you than it ever does to that other person. You think you're holding something over on them? It's on you. And it's eating away at you. And we're going to get into this a little bit more later, but it it takes a ton of work to maintain a grudge. And you've been set free. And I've been set free. Therefore, I need to freely love other people. Don't dismiss their sin. Deal with it. Deal with it the same way that Jesus did. All right. Let's go secondly here. To keep no records means that we're going to choose to have an other's first attitude. We talked about this in a little bit last week, a different vein, but we're going to hit this again today, and we've got grace-based relationships coming up later this month as well. Um, But every day of our month, every day of our month, every day of our life, we have to make choices, right? Every single day. You're making a choice right now. Am I going to pay attention or not? Am I going to get distracted or not? Am I going to go eat here after church or not? Right? What am I going to do later today? You're making a choice about it. And so we'll all make choices today. And is what we're going to ingest is going to be healthy or unhealthy? We can answer that in about an hour or so. All right? Am I going to get off the couch, try to do something if I'm able, or am I just going to kind of prop my feet up and be lazy for today or for the rest of my life? All right? um, that's a somewhat hard choice to make. Uh, Am I going to stay up late tonight and watch another episode of a show, or am I going to go to bed because i got to get up early and go to work or go to school? Okay? So if I show up tired to work or I show up tired to school, I'm not going to function very well. Mine's not sharp. I just kind of stink for the day. Right? So you've got a choice to make. Everybody makes choices all day long. And those can be somewhat challenging. But often I'm made with a choice of whether or not I'm going to love somebody. Not smile and be kind, but whether or not I'm going to genuinely love that person. You ever love somebody, you know, and you pat them on the back and you're just like, man, I can't stand you. You got that smile on your face, but you're just, I hope your face falls off. I just, I hope you drive your car in a ditch. And we just, we've got the facade that I love you, but my heart is, man, I hope something bad happens to you. Right? Sometimes it's hard to love people. By the way, sometimes we're people. Sometimes I'm hard to love, right? Sometimes you've got to look at pastor and say, hey, he's man, right? And he can make a mess. He's a wretch just like anybody else is. And so you've got to find a way to love me beyond maybe what I have said or haven't said, what I did do or what I did not do. Choosing to have another's first attitude can be hard, but it's what it's about. Back in verse 5, it says love, and this would be the start of verse 4. Love is, and it starts to list all these things that love is. Love, it keeps no records of wrongs. All right? So to do so means I've got to have an attitude of choosing somebody else over myself. So an other's attitude, what does that actually mean? It means even though you've wronged me, I choose to love you. All right? Even though you've wronged me, I'm not willing to hold or harbor ill will, bitterness. I'm not willing to put you at a, at a distance, a distance that would say I don't care about you. There is such a thing as a healthy distance, and we'll touch that in a minute here as well. But never getting to a point where we choose ourselves over someone else is what Paul's talking about here. So 
let's use Jesus as our model. So think about Jesus on the cross. You've got a man being mocked. This is what the Bible says. He was mocked. He was insulted. He was cursed. They were cussing at him. He was spit on. They took most of his clothes and they played a game for it, winner take all. They sat down and watched him suffer. So they didn't have Netflix back then. Um, their entertainment, their sport was to watch people die. And so this is what they would do on a Saturday afternoon. Let's go sit on a hill and watch somebody suffer to the point of death. And they would celebrate and they would go home. You might remember the stories of the gladiators, right? They'd put these people in a circle and they'd tell them, last person standing wins. Go kill each other. And it was sport. And so that's what's going on here with Jesus. Do we find Jesus holding a grudge? Do we? No, he's not hanging on to anything there, right? If anybody ever had reason to keep a record of wrongs, it's Jesus on the cross. Oh, Father, did you see that? What's his name? Write him down. He's not getting in. Who's the guy that put it in my wrist? You see him, right? Make sure you get his name down, Father. No grace for him person that fashioned those crown of thorns, the person that dressed me up like a Ken Barbie doll. Make sure you remember that person. Write their name down. They're not getting in. He didn't do any of that. What you see Jesus saying is, hey, Father, we need to forgive these people. Right? So even though he was being abused, mistreated, he didn't get to a point where he started recording wrongs and saying, no love for you, no grace for you, no mercy for you. However, because you smiled, we'll see. He continues just to pour out blood. He continues to take last breaths. He continues to cry out as we've sung today. It's finished so that he could extend this kind of freedom, no condemnation to, to all people. And so we've got to choose to have another's first attitude here just like Jesus did. He didn't dismiss it, act like it wasn't a big deal, right? They prayed about it. Father, if there's another way to do this, let's talk. If not, let's go ahead and go to the cross. Jesus went to the cross. He dealt with sin. He didn't dismiss it. But then he, he made the choice to have another's first attitude. You know, when I keep a record of wrongs, when somebody's hurt me to the extent that I'm not going to show them love, that's a me first attitude. What that says is, you've hurt me, so I won't love you. It's me first. Right? And that's not what we get from 1 Corinthians 13 or from Jesus. If we're to love how we've been loved, I've got to learn how to be hurt and yet still show love to people. How to be offended and still desire what's best for people. How to be mistreated and still pray on behalf of that person. Right? You might remember when Jesus said, you know, it's natural. You've heard it said, love your neighbor. That's it. Love your family. Well, duh. That seems to come natural and easy for most people. Hate your enemy, right? Curse your enemy. Jesus says, I tell you this, instead of hating your enemy, pray for your enemy. Bless those that curse you. Love those who hate you. Those are the things you do. Right? Those are the ways that we really look significantly different. Love keeps no record of wrongs, but it has an other's first attitude. Now, let's just put um, an appendage here to this. That doesn't mean that there is not consequences for actions. I can love somebody at a distance. So 1 Corinthians 13 is not a license for somebody who's abusing you to keep abusing you and you just got to stand there and take it. 
or keep putting your kids in a situation where they just got to keep taking it. I'm sorry, you just keep no record of wrongs, act like it doesn't exist, and just keep taking it. That's not what 1 Corinthians 13 is about. It's about the Spirit. And so yeah, there comes a point where if, if there's harm, if there's abuse, if there's neglect that is damaging, where I'm going to, with wisdom and discernment, I'm going to draw away from that situation. But even then, I'm not going to keep a record that says, and I'll never love you. I'll never forgive you. I'll never get beyond this. I hope you rot. I hope you die. That's what it's talking about, the spirit of keeping a record of wrongs. So yeah, there may be points where we have to draw ourselves away in wisdom. But even then, you'll find your greatest freedom when you forgive as you've been forgiven. All right? Maybe the challenge of your lifetime. I don't know how you've been hurt. I don't know how your family's been hurt. Maybe the challenge of your lifetime to forgive as you've been forgiven. But that's how you and I are called to forgive. That's how we're called to love. And you'll find great peace, joy in that. Love keeps no records, but it chooses an attitude of others first. And by the way, that's something I've got to go ahead and predetermine. Because if I let the situation determine whether or not I'm going to love somebody, there's going to be people that I'm not going to love. I'm just not going to. And so my mind's got to be made up. The way I've been loved, I'm going to love. The way I've been forgiven, I'm going to forgive. And that's just the way it is. Regardless of what it costs me, regardless of how much it hurts me, I'm going to do it. And so for me personally, that's a decision I've made. And I've shared this with you uh, a few different times. I share this with people when we do pre-marriage counseling. Now, I've given that to my wife. You may sin against me in the worst way on the planet, and I promise you I'll forgive you. I will forgive you. Now, there may be a difference in our relationship. There may be consequences, but I'm not going to keep a record of this where I'm going to harbor or hold a grudge, hatred towards you. Now, please don't do that. But I promise I'll forgive you. Right? You've got to go ahead and make your mind up. That's who I'm going to be. That's who I'm going to be. Regardless of what you do to me, I will love you. And I'll agape you because it doesn't have anything to do with how you treat me. It has everything to do with how I've been treated. This is my response. Choose to have another's first attitude. And then third, here we're to quick, we are to be quick rather to show grace as we've been shown grace. Okay, so what does it mean to keep no record of wrongs? It means to be quick to grace. You know, there are people on this planet, maybe some in this room, who spend their lifetime keeping track. That's their job. 40 to 50 hours a week, they just keep track. They sit in an office and they track appointments and they track records. They track inventory. They track finances. That's, that's their job. That's what they do for a living. They are tracking. That takes a lot of work, right? To maintain a record of wrongs against you takes a lot of work. Frankly, that's a lot of work I'm not willing to put in. It takes a lot of work to keep fresh in your mind how somebody has hurt you. It takes a lot of work to keep in your mind how somebody has been maybe rude or mean, hurtful to somebody that you love. It takes a lot to maintain a grudge. So when we've been freed, as people who are freed then no longer condemned, we need to be able to show it quickly. And we'll see that this is for our best good. 
You know, we've been rebellious against God. We've been hostile towards Jesus. The Bible says, Romans 5, 8, that even though we were sinners, God gave his son Jesus to die for us. John wrote and said that we love him because he loved us first, right? So as enemies, as hostile, as rebellious people, God loved us first. And so we are to be, in return, people who are quick to grace just as he's been towards us. So you might remember a conversation that Peter had with Jesus in the area of forgiveness. Let's read it. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And that's Peter's way of being generous. Like that sounds like a lot. Seven? You know what you and I can do with the number seven? We can keep track of that. I would guess this morning, if we could give you maybe five to ten minutes, you could list seven things that somebody on this planet has done to you that's made you not like that person. Seven? See, we can keep track of seven. Even though Peter thought he was being generous here. Jesus answered, no, Peter, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or elsewhere it says 70 times, seven times. So what is Jesus getting at here? Is he saying get a bigger book? Has more pages? A thicker quill? A deeper inkwell? No. He's saying you need to love in such a way and be quick to grace in such a way that extends beyond your ability to record. Get beyond what you think is generous and look at how you have received grace. See, seven times says I'll love you up to a point. Right? I'm good up until here and then once you hit here, it's over. And Jesus says, no, love beyond your ability to count. Love beyond your ability to keep record. If I asked you this morning to list 77 ways or 500 ways how somebody has wronged you, you'd struggle. One individual person. And so Jesus is saying, get beyond your ability, Peter. It's not about keeping track. It's about being quick to grace. You're no longer condemned. And we need to live like people who are no longer condemned. You know, one thing about being condemned, there are signs of things that are condemned. Have you ever been to a building that's got a big sign on it, posted, condemned? You know, don't enter this building because it's dangerous. And you can look at that building and the shell of it's just worn and the bones of it are no longer any good and it looks like it's going to collapse. There, there are things there that let you know, that clue you in that this place is to be condemned. Right? There are things to be in us, and even in a building like this, you walk in this room, you don't see anything here that would condemn this room, do you? Are you terrified in this room of this ceiling falling on you, building walls collapsing? No, because it has different signs than what a condemned building would show. Right? People who are no longer condemned, we should look different than people who are condemned. People who are condemned show signs of sin, they show sign of harboring ill will and hatred. They're people they won't talk to anymore. I won't associate with you. I, I wouldn't care if you didn't breathe anymore. Nothing would satisfy me more. There are people who walk that planet. And sometimes that's us who battle with those kind of feelings. A sign of being no longer condemned is that I love the way that I've been loved, that I forgive the way that I've been forgiven. 
that I keep no record of wrongs in the spirit of what Paul is writing about, in the spirit of what Jesus displayed on the cross, in the spirit of how God gave His Son towards us. Our goal is to keep no record of wrongs. So maybe you're here this morning and you would say, listen, I know that I have wronged God. I've sinned against God. Maybe you've never dealt with that. God has on His end. And what He asks on our end is that we acknowledge that sin and that we repent of that sin. We ask Him to save us from that sin and His promises He will. And so maybe you would like to pray today and ask Jesus to forgive your sin. But maybe you'd say, you know, I've, I've already received that kind of grace. I know that I'm no longer condemned, but maybe I'm showing signs of being condemned. Maybe I'm harboring an ill will towards somebody. Maybe I'm keeping a record of wrongs. Somebody has hurt me seven times and I've kept track of it no more. I won't have anything to do with you anymore. won't love you anymore, talk to you anymore, don't even think about me anymore. I understand the natural inclination to that because I feel the same way sometimes. God calls us beyond that. Christians do hard things. And one of the hard things we do here is to love the way that we've been loved. Maybe there's somebody in your life you need to be quick to grace with because you know your temperament or your attitude towards them. Maybe it doesn't take a whole lot for you just to be turned off to that person. God, help me be quick to grace. Remind me, Lord, this may be the way that I am offensive to you. As you've been quick to grace on my end, help me to be quick on, on their end. Maybe you've been belittling sin. You know, sometimes because we don't want to deal with sin, we act like it's not a big deal. Somebody hurts us, we go, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to talk to anybody about it. Somebody else is bullying you, you know, I'm not going to. Let them do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with it. And we, we push it aside like it's not important enough to deal with. We've seen in the Scripture here, deal with it. But deal with it in a way that honors your God and that ultimately is for your good as well. Maybe there's something in your life that you just need to deal with. And one thing that's true about sin, it never goes away on its own. It doesn't just disappear. So the sooner we deal with it, and the sooner we can move on to the freedom that we have and the freedom and love that we can give. So I want to encourage you, if there's something in your life you need to deal with, deal with it today. Don't walk out of this place not dealing with it. Give it to God. God, there's this person and I promised I'd never talk to them again. Here you go. That's not your heart towards them. You said to me, agape them. Love is. Hmm. And I don't know how to do that, so I'm asking you to help me. Maybe it's something else totally different than what we talked about today. I'd just like to encourage you. When God's word goes out, he says it doesn't go out without purpose. So whatever he's trying to accomplish in me and you, let it happen. Let him challenge or change, convict, encourage, refresh, renew, whatever's needed. Let it happen here this morning.